Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. We interview people who have dealt with the trickiest of health challenges, but eventually learn to get well and stay well naturally. Now it's time to hear from one of our detectives and learn how another health issue has been solved. We hope you enjoy the show. Everyone that has come to America from my family, they began to experience some digestive challenges. They began to experience, it, there's this very classical thing that I'll see in new immigrants from places like Pakistan is they start putting on a little bit of water weight. Their skin gets inflamed and rashy. Few years down the road, they experience a digestive challenge that they never had in Pakistan. Hey, what's going on, my friends? And welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Just when I think we've exhausted all the topics, we have 70 plus episodes, there's always something new. And I'm kind of joking. I know we'll never exhaust all the topics, but I love when there's something just completely fresh, something new, something exciting. And that's exactly what we got today with our guest, Awaits Spall, who is a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner based out of San Diego. Prior to becoming a health practitioner, Awaits worked as a formulation chemist for various cannabis companies. As a product formulator, Awaits combined his knowledge of formulation chemistry with his background in Ayurvedic herbalism. Awaits has inherited much of his knowledge around Ayurveda from his grandfather, who is actually, uh, or was, I'm sorry, a renowned herbalist in Pakistan. Awais eventually left the formulation world to pursue his deeper calling in life as an alchemist of the healing arts. I love that. In his practice at Integrative Oasis, Awais combines the cutting-edge science of functional medicine with Ayurveda to address various gut health issues. This podcast was fun. We jumped right into it, got right into the deep stuff and good stuff from just a couple minutes in. And what you may have heard from the excerpt, the teaser that is, is this idea that Awais noticed as his family and other immigrants came over, specifically from Pakistan, they got sick. They started having health complications. And what we talk about in here, and I loved his just openness and willingness to go to this topic and acknowledge the fact that, guys, you know what? Maybe the people that listen to this podcast are above this, and I hope to God you are, but let's call it what it is. America has such a nationalistic view in general of Everything that's not America is just bad. Now, I am not someone who hates America by any means. I love America. And I think there's a reason that so many people come here, which Oasis also acknowledges. But you can have something that's good or even great and still acknowledge that it can do some things better. And I've said for years, our technological quote-unquote advancements, they are ending up being our regression. We're actually getting sicker as a society. So is it really progression to have pesticides on all these things and um, you know herbicides on our food when in fact it's affecting us negatively to the point that you can have a healthy adult that comes from another country and they get sick even eating the same foods as we're about to hear about today. I think it's important to support a place that you're from. I think that makes sense. But you gotta be objective. You can't just say, oh, it's great because I said it's great. No, it can be great because you choose to make it great. And you can also choose to learn from other places to enhance it even more. We are messing up our food and healthcare system tremendously 
but you already know that if you're listening to the podcast, right? Now, you might know that, but how often have you gotten an open and honest perspective from someone with an Ayurvedic background, who also went and became a chemist, who also immigrated from Pakistan? Really interesting guy today, really unique guy. Always, if you're listening, thank you so much for hopping on. This was the most fun I had in one of these conversations in a while. So, without further ado, let's get to the episode. All right, Awais, thanks for being, uh, thank you so much for being here with us today. <laughs> awesome, man. Really glad to be here as well. That's not a good start when I already fumble over the words in the intro, so hopefully we'll uh, get a good flow going here. But this is long overdue. Awais and I have been going back and forth trying to get this figured out, and um, I'm excited to be talking to you. You have a background that, as you know, just before this, I kind of was figuring out more aspects of this, but it's certainly unique. I mean, we have over 70 episodes right now. We've interviewed a lot of people. I don't know someone with um, your background in multiple ways. So I think anytime that we have an opportunity to explore new topics on here is super fun for me, super fun for the audience. And it just adds one more layer because it shows you how deep this stuff can really go and that there's so many things to try if we're on a health journey. So um, I'm going to start with you with the same question that we always ask on this podcast to get things started. Uh, and that's usually because people that are in this space either had a family member with health issues or you know they dealt with health issues themselves. So assuming that it was you that dealt with the health issues, I'd love to know like when did those health symptoms start and what did they look like? Yeah, great question, man. So my health challenges really began around 11 years ago. I was a, a young man going to college, exercising a lot, eating really healthy, living the best life that I think that I could. And uh, I started getting all these muscle spasms and these weird myriad of symptoms. And then I started getting a lot of gut symptomology as well. And at this time, I didn't know what functional medicine was. I didn't know what integrative medicine was. So I am going through so many different types of treatments I'm thinking that everything is external because I'm feeling external pain. So I'm getting plyed-rich plasma therapy, some proto-stem cell therapies. Um, I was even getting peptides 11 years ago, which is far before they were known um, to the public. And uh, even in, in the health space, people did not know what peptides were. People still don't know what that is. So I really was trying every single thing that I could um, and it took me years to discover, to keep going a layer deeper, a layer deeper, a layer deeper. And that's when the healing really began to take place. Okay, cool. So what I find fascinating about this is given your background, especially uh, family background, you know, you have this person as a grandfather that's, I think that's so cool that they were a renowned herbalist in uh, Pakistan. That's just very, not something you hear every day at all. Um, how were you following a lot of the things that your family embodied or was it just him that embodied this? Because I'm curious how someone with this background even kind of gets these issues to begin with. So I'm wondering, like, were you living that lifestyle or kind of doing your own thing and just knew that certain members of the family were into more holistic stuff? Yeah, that's a really good question. And no, I was not living that holistic lifestyle at all. And I was not in touch with that. And another piece is, is the difference between Pakistan and America. So for instance, uh, milk, butter, ghee, these dairy products can be very healing in Pakistan because my grandfather believes that every household, even poor households should have a cow so that they can have access to dairy and that they can make a lot of herbal tinctures um, and then put them 
in various dairy products. Now, um, as you've talked about on the podcast with other guests, dairy in the U.S. is a completely different type of product, and um, it's not very healing at all. So I think a lot of stuff began with that, and um, a lot of sort of uh, just a lot of it had to do with the toxicity of just being in America. So that's where I think functional medicine was really helpful in understanding the healing um, that is necessary in combination with Ayurveda. But regardless of that, I was not really in touch with my grandfather's roots with my Ayurvedic past uh, up until, you know, five, six years ago. That's really when I started getting in touch with it. Um, So, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go an interesting route with this, and I hope that's okay. I get a vibe that I can go this way. And it comes from a good place because one of the things that I had as a kid was I lived in a bubble. You know, when I go to my area, admittedly, really nice upper middle class area, mostly white. That's just what it is, you know? And unfortunately in America, as you've probably seen yourself, there is a very unfair and unjustified stereotype that every country that's not America is somehow doing worse than us in every single area, which is, I was actually mad as I got older and started doing my own research. And the nationalism that occurs here, while admirable in certain aspects, yes, I mean, I think we should support our nation to the degree that we're able, but to be delusional about it and not realistic about the many things that we are doing terribly um, is is just ridiculous. Now, the reason I'm going here is because I know the stats on our podcast, about 80 something percent of our listeners are US based. So they might hear something like, wait a second, our quality of food is worse than Pakistan because of these stupid stereotypes that we have that are completely unfounded. So can you kind of I already have an idea based on just what you said with having like a cow that's for the family, uh, you know, maybe but why is it that America, this supposedly you know, amazing thing in every way would have lesser quality dairy or other foods than somewhere like Pakistan. Absolutely. I mean, I think it has to do with our history in this country with uh, food production starting around the 1960s and 1970s when uh, you really see the introduction of pesticides. So I think that even going beyond dairy is the biggest difference. Um, Everyone that has come to America from my family, they began to experience some digestive challenges. They began to experience it. There's this very classical thing that I'll see in new immigrants from places like Pakistan is they start putting on a little bit of water weight. Their skin gets inflamed and rashy. Few years down the road, they experience a digestive challenge that they never had in Pakistan. And pesticides play a huge role there. Most of the food in Pakistan is uh, very organic. There's a lot of farms. Um, My family always had access to a farm. That's very common. In the U.S., there can be this notion that that's uh, somehow elitist to have access to a farm, whereas it's not in so many other parts of the world. That's actually, uh, you know, lower to middle class lifestyles have access to that quality food. And I think that you bring up a really good point in that um, there's this uh, assumption people have because quality of life in general in the U.S. is on a different level than uh, Pakistan, that food and everything is better. Um, You know, for the dairy thing, I think is very 
very important and it kind of gets political strangely because some people believe that dairy needs to be homogenized it needs to be pasteurized that can lead to disease and sickness um, but the raw dairy is incredibly healing um, and uh, my my brother just went back to Pakistan he can't consume dairy in the US he went back there he was consuming raw dairy he said his skin looked great his his body felt better it, that alone healed his digestion so um, you know there's the living organisms the probiotics that are rich in the food supply there um, granted yes parasites can be a factor because of the water supply in Pakistan so one needs to be really mindful of that I'm not saying that life in general is better in Pakistan my I obviously moved to the US for a reason I love the life here but I think you brought up a really good point about food quality, uh, you know, being sometimes better in some other parts of the world. Okay. Well, one, I have to say thank you for understanding where the question was coming from because I, I like trusting my intuition. And for those that don't know, I mean, Oasis and I have never talked on anything over than other than email. And so I'm assuming that he is recognizing this crazy stereotype in America that we're number one in everything um, and that I don't subscribe to that at all. You know, I admittedly did it 15. I thought like, wow, I guess this is, you know, jackpot. And again, maybe in this one, I don't even know what the word would be, capitalistic form um, and opportunity. I think we have one of the best opportunities for people to come and make money. Um, I think it's like two thirds of first generation millionaires, or sorry, of um, new millionaires every year, are first generation immigrants, which I find really fascinating. There's, I mean, that's a whole podcast in and of itself, right? Like why that would happen. <laughs> but, you know, you can capitalize on strengths or recognize strengths. And, and this is even uh, lessons for us as people while also recognizing that, hey, there's some things that we need to work on. And I find this theme that what we look at as progression and this progress overall is actually hurting us in many ways, because many people would say having all these pesticides is progress. Well, how's that working out, though? <laughs> you know, and if everyone's so damn sick, I mean, our infertility rates are so high, we're not going to have anyone that's going to need the pesticides anymore. So it's trying to figure out, because even like you said, okay, well, we might have more parasites though in Pakistan. Where does this line get drawn? I have no idea. So thank you for being willing to uh, go there with me and talk about that. I think that's very interesting. I love, love having conversations like that. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Cool. So, Okay. You were not necessarily living this uh, lifestyle that certain members of your family would have promoted, maybe unintentionally, right? Just not even uh, knowing what was going on. But I want to kind of jump into when you started maybe applying more of the Ayurvedic lifestyle. And well, I think everyone on this podcast would have heard the term. I don't think everyone could define it. So in your, however much you want to go into depth is fine. How would you define what Ayurvedic medicine or just an Ayurvedic lifestyle? What, what is that? What does that mean? That's a great question. So Ayurveda as a word has two components. It comes from Ayus, which means life and Veda, which means science. So in essence, Ayurveda means to live your truth. And in a nutshell, so Ayurveda is one of the oldest medical systems in the world. It's uh, around a few thousand years old. It's debated uh, when exactly it originally began as a science and study. And I think that there's incredible treasure troves of knowledge we find because they were collecting data 
for generations and generations. And they were researchers and scientists, just like we are today, without a lot of the same tools and assessments and technologies we have. But nevertheless, they were uh, compiling and recording data. So um, just in a nutshell, for those that don't know what Ayurveda is, um, the best way to explain it is it's a system that really incorporates personalized medicine. It's medicine-based and healing based on your unique constitution, which is called a dosha. So that's something that's very popular. A lot of people are familiar with doshas today. They know what their dosha is. There's three types, kapha, pitta, and vata. And that's a composite of different elements. Some researchers have found that the doshas actually correspond to the type of muscle skeletal system that you have. And there's a lot of research correlating that. Um, and, you know, this is one of those things that I personally find I am very big in functional medicine. Um, my foundation is nutritional biochemistry. I think that's critical for creating uh, systems of healing and to find the roots of someone's dysfunction. And of course, that's a huge part of my health practice. But I constantly find so much use and practical applications for understanding people's doshas and the doshic model. And people personally tell me that they find it super helpful when I brought that up because they're thinking about that day to day as they're living their life. What is their dosha? How has their dosha changed with the dis-ease state? And how can they rebalance that? Uh, Ayurveda is a science of creating balance in every aspect of life which I think corresponds beautifully with functional medicine. Well, that was an awesome definition. I like that. Hyped me up. I went to the Institute of Integrative Nutrition prior to functional diagnostic nutrition. And I mean, they claim, and I, I think it's accurate, that we learned just about 100 different dietary theories. So I remember not only you know learning the basics of Ayurvedic practices, but I also remember like taking one of the tests to get um, your, you said it's called Dasha, correct? Dosha. Dosha. Okay. Um, I can't remember what I was, <laughs> but I do remember okay. taking it and just, I've always been fascinated by those things. So that's really cool. Now, when I'm, I'm sure this had to be in your life to some degree, you know, prior to getting kind of sick, how did your view and experience with this, you know, philosophy and this science change from when, okay, I'm just kind of doing my own thing here and I'm getting sick versus now I'm trying to heal? Like, when did you start implementing more parts of that? Because I know, uh, based on your bio and what you've told me, this is a big part of what you're doing today with your clients and with yourself. Absolutely. To be honest, it, my healing really began with functional medicine. That was the first thing I did. It was actionable. It was simple. It was something I could easily find practitioners all around that could work with me. Um, and just figuring out some of those basic dysfunctions like mercury toxicity. I had 12 mercury-based amalgams. I had very heavy levels of mercury in my body. I also had lead toxicity. Um, some, one of my family members told me that I would eat paint as a baby in Pakistan. And, um, you know, they didn't really know that the paint had lead in it. And it correlated with uh, my heavy blood lead levels. So, of course, the functional medicine, the testing, you know, using basic chelation practices to remove the heavy metals from my body was super foundational. Um, 
the Ayurvedic piece came a little bit later. It came as a deeper awakening and realization to what I am. I was, I'm going to be real honest, I was that guy that was all about science. You know, if it's not biochemistry, I don't know how to evaluate it. Um, and uh, it was uh, this shamanic woman that came to me and said that you need to get in touch with your family's roots and ancestry about a few years ago, just at a health conference. And um, that really, and she even referenced my grandfather without me telling her anything about him. She said, specifically said, get in touch with your grandfather. And that was just so mystical. And I couldn't put a finger on how she could have known that. That's when I really opened up and that transformed me completely. And as I started reading the texts, I was like, oh my gosh, my grandpa, mentioned all of these things and then my dad started to translate my grandfather's writings from Urdu to English and I started looking at them and I was like holy crap this is the kind of stuff that I like to uh, work on these are some of the 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 conditions that I have gravitated towards and um I, I was just so fascinated by that deep historic alignment and just getting in touch with my roots um, and um, then seeing how that could fit into who I am, how much it helped my life. And then as I started working with people, how much it started helping their life that I just saw that it was such a healthy flow. Well, for those listening, uh, just on, well, for those consuming this podcast, just on audio, always got a big smile on my face with the biochemical comment because that could I could not resonate with that more my friend and uh, boy was I humbled when I realized that there's a lot more to this world life and our bodies than just the biochemical that is for sure uh, that might be the measurable tool that we have but yeah there's a whole lot more out there so we always welcome that on the podcast that's for sure all right well then if functional medicine was kind of the thing that helped you out first obviously you already mentioned some of the major things that you found I'm curious like when did that when did you cross that bridge from just thinking, okay, you know, I go take the conventional medicine route, or I'm just, I'm exploring that, trying to figure out what's wrong with me to, I'm going to jump into the ship of functional medicine and give that a try. Because again, I mean, there's people, yes, you obviously dealt with this stuff for a while. Well, I've met people that dealt with it for 20, 30 years and they never got help in the functional space. So what allowed you to think outside the box and go there? So the thing that allowed me to kind of go to the other side, the Ayurvedic side, was actually the healing modalities in Ayurveda that are not exactly the herbs, that is not exactly um, healing the physical body. In Ayurveda, we talk about mind, body, and soul. We talk about the fact that all disease begins as undigested emotion. And it has a psycho-emotional beginning point. And we also talk about the fact that emotions have a physical weight to them. So that's what really got me into that because I started thinking about my own history with trauma. Coming to the U.S., I had some specific experiences um, in Pakistan. Not to go into too much detail, but one instance, I fell into a pot of boiling water as a kid. Um, because in weddings you had these uh, you had these cauldrons of boiling water that you threw plates into because they didn't do plastic plates. There was no concept of that. So how do you have a giant wedding with tons of plates? You have a cauldron in a few places. People dump their 
plates into them and then you know they're clean when they come out um me being a five-year-old kid playing around i tripped fell in led to a lot of physical psycho-emotional trauma that i was storing in my body for years and then that side of ayurveda helping me understand the psycho-emotional trauma how to process that trauma and then just seeing like wow this is a complete integrated system that talks about soul mind and body as uh an interconnected system and that we have to begin healing all of those you know in ayurveda we do want to heal the body if you're having gut symptoms we want to figure out what are those gut symptoms what are the roots of those gut symptoms how do we treat those and then i'm really interested in why why evan did you have those gut symptoms to begin with why do you what what happened there so often we can trace back to a series of psycho-emotional phenomena um, that someone has experienced along with the biophysical experience of having the symptomology so that's what really opened me up into ayurveda okay what a i i can't not comment on that i mean what a crazy story with the boiling water that i i've never heard anything like that you know and i guess i mean how many opportunities are there for that to actually happen in the united states you're right i guess we don't typically have giant cauldrons of boiling water but like holy cow man i mean yeah that'll i can't that's one of those stories that is incomprehensible for me to fully empathize with i certainly sympathize with it but i cannot even imagine that experience knowing what it's been like when i kind of mess up on the stove and a little splash <laughs> you know, hits my hand as a 25 year old now, let alone as a kid falling into that. I mean, that's, yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's cool that you realized how that could play a part because again, I certainly can empathize with being more just focused on the biochemical side, left brain type of individual. You know, we sometimes, I mean, that's a major experience. If you told me that I could instantly recognize that even 10 years ago when I didn't focus as much on the um, emotional type of stuff. Right. But we don't do it for ourselves always. You know, we're like, oh, no, I went through that, but that's okay. Like, I, I can get through things, you know? And then you realize, okay, no, that, that has an effect, and that's perfectly valid for it to have an effect. It's a pretty, especially something like that. Um, okay. When you, I guess, how I, because I'm trying to bring in the cannabis stuff, too. I can't ignore that today. I want to see how we can kind of merge that all together. Um, I might have to just do it kind of separately. So you were going through the functional medicine paradigm. Things are working. I know that, again, you had mentioned the mercury, the lead thing, you know, multiple things, actually. Would, or were those the biggest aspects of your healing? Or what would you say were like the top two or three things in the world of functional medicine that led to your healing? Absolutely. I would say that uh, detoxification was number one for me. Um, and number two would have to be healing the gut with antimicrobials rebalancing parasites uh you know weeding out dysbiosis rebalancing the gut so number one and you know i understood the steps and the order that i need to go into um i had an h pylori infection i discovered on a stool test this is i want to say um almost four or five years ago now and I took care of that. Then it was the heavy metals. Um, and I spent an entire year chelating heavy metals just because there was such a heavy burden. It took a long time. And then I took another gut test, found a little bit of SIBO, and um, started rebalancing that 
took, you know, spent a few months on that, spent a few months on parasites. And those things made a tremendous difference in just getting me so much better. My brain felt so much better. Just lifting out of that brain fog is something people have talked about on on your podcast. And, um, you know, a lot of people can relate to that experience. And then the biggest piece in alongside all of that was living in a toxic mold environment um, in the Bay Area. My home had mold and then I was actually um, teaching at a high school straight out of college and my high school had some mold as well in it. Um, and I was super reactive to that. So, you know, just like a lot of people have mentioned this in the past, all of these things were my teachers and I learned from all of those experiences. But in the functional medicine side, I think understanding detoxification, understanding how to layer treatments through all of these different things was really tremendous because how do you really know which one to begin with? Do you start with the mold? Do you start with the SIBO, the H. pylori? Do you start with uh, the heavy metals? There's so many things going on. How do you layer healing? So for me, um, functional medicine, the science, the biochemistry really helped me understand that in a clear way. And um, that's when I made my biggest improvements. I think that's what's so cool about FDN specifically, right? It's a system because... And I mean, bless them. Everyone's doing, I believe at least, I believe the vast majority of people are doing the best that they can with the information that they're given. But I see so often, and I've experienced this, definitely won't name any names, but in the functional and natural space where it was really nothing more than Western medicine with supplements. They ran a test, they got a result, they treat that. And that's like their thing, you know? And it's like, okay, great. I happen to come up hot on that specific test. But what about all these other systems of my body that you didn't really address for me and that there could be other things going on? And, you know, Reed Davis, the founder of FDN, always says this best. If we ran every single test out there on a really sick person, you're going to find things probably on every single test to work on. Now, do you address all of that? I mean, what are you going to end up doing? A thousand different supplements, a super confused person. And not to mention, you're going to have to have a practitioner who's damn near genius to even understand, you know, 500, a thousand different tests. And you probably would have spent maybe 200 grand. That's not <laughs> practical. So we mm -hmm. at FDN and FDN Thrive, as just for the audience now, guys, it's a system where we're using the best of the best that is going to work the vast majority of the time. I mean, probably completely, but if not completely, at least it's going to get you 70, 80% of the way there. And then the additional tools are available if necessary to get more specific with it. But you'd be very surprised how far you can just go by addressing the major systems of the body, like the hormonal um, systems and the detoxification and digestive uh, uh, systems, you know, like that's the main stuff. So, okay, very cool. Now, I guess there's no good way for me to connect it because I don't understand the story yet. So I just want to ask directly before we kind of go into how you found FDN. I'm very curious about your work in the cannabis field because you were doing, I mean, you were a chemist in the cannabis field, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So that's when I left uh, the Bay Area to come to San Diego. And I knew I wanted to do two things. One is I wanted to be a practitioner. So I had already begun the FDN program at that time to become a practitioner. And the second thing I knew I wanted to do was I wanted to make products because my grandfather was a formulator. He was an herbalist. He was making things. And I always had that knack for wanting to make different types of herbal tinctures 
and things like that. And, um, you know, I studied a lot of herbalism myself and I was always making products on my own. So eventually I landed a job for a cannabis company in San Diego um, at this, it was called Lighthouse. You know, it was, uh, they owned a few different companies and I was doing R&D on cannabis nanotechnology, which is we make, we try to get the cannabis particle into a small vehicle as po- as possible so that you can absorb it right away. So cannabis uh, nanotech, nano emulsion products, you can consume an oral THC edible drink um, and you will experience the high in something like five to 15 minutes. Um, so, you know, compared to the usual experience with an edible, like you're waiting one to two hours. So that was very fun and interesting. And I really wanted to learn some of these skills um, and understand how our products made in a lab because um, you know, as practitioners, we use a lot of products and um, we use a lot of herbal preparations. Um, so that was a really good experience because I got to play around with different formulas. I had the opportunity to formulate different food-based products. Um, and um, it, uh, yeah, it really satisfied that desire in me. And it, it connected deeply with how to be a practitioner and how it made me rethink the way I use a lot of herbs and supplements and products. Very cool. So you're the first person that, I mean, I'm sure we've had someone on here that has used medicinal cannabis or maybe not even medicinal cannabis, right? I've never had anyone talk about it though. So I'd love to get this objective viewpoint from someone like yourself as to where this fits in, in the grand scheme of functional medicine. Because I remember, especially since I started into the holistic space so young, you know, people at one point, people literally thought that just meant, you know, I'm advocating for marijuana. Like that's what they thought being in natural medicine was at the time. You know, it's like, okay, no, because actually in my view nowadays, I think that is wonderful that cannabis can provide benefits that are well, they can provide strong benefits without the side effects of some of these pharmaceuticals. I mean, that's amazing. But to me, I mean, and you said this yourself, we're always asking why, why, why? That is still a treatment at the end of the day. It is still a thing being given for the condition. And we have to ask, well, why is the condition there to begin with? So I would love to know, like, where do you stand on people using this? Do you think that this is something like, should everyone be using CBD? Because I know everyone's into that. Like, what, what's your take on something like this? That's a great question, and I think CBD and THC fit into something that we have in the body, a system called the endocannabinoid tone. And just like you mentioned, FDN is a system of healing. We should never be just throwing things at the wall and just try this, try that. We should be thinking, where would CBD or THC fit into this person's healing model Uh, CBD and THC are amazing pain management tools for somebody coming off of opioids. Um, You know, I've worked with clients that are coming off opioids strategically using THC and CBD at different combinations can be incredibly helpful, especially with the nano THC stuff that I mentioned. And in addition to that, I think that some people do have other chronic pain symptoms and they need a little bit of that management. CBD can be very gut healing as well. Do I think that it always has a place? Absolutely not. I think, um, you know, CBD has turned into this thing because of the claims the industry makes. 
And I was in that industry, and I'll tell you firsthand, saying marketing and saying things like it can treat anything and everything. Everybody needs CBD. Like there's entire CBD stores, you know, there's hundreds, if not thousands of stores just selling CBD products in the U.S. And, um, you know, it's it's a big business and I think it does some good. But is it a cure all? No, there's so many people I've worked with. I will never bring up CBD or medical cannabis at all. But for a lot of people, it plays a really interesting role in um, in their healing. You know, just like it is a plant medicine. It is a psychoactive plant medicine, just like other psychoactive plant medicines like psilocybin and ayahuasca are now playing a role. I think it kind of is similar in that sense. It can help with the mental healing as well, along with the chronic pain healing. Cool. And it's kind of a similar answer to what I was expecting, but I just appreciate that coming from your mouth because yes, it is so often in this space that like this is touted as something that you, you said it best. Everyone should be taking daily use. And I'm like, what the heck? I mean, again, if, you know, because I've heard a lot of people, I'm um, also getting, um, you know, anti-anxiety benefits from something like CBD. If you can do that and somehow replace your Xanax or Valium prescription, I don't think anyone is going to argue that that's a wonderful thing. But at the end of the day, why are you having panic attacks and anxiety to begin with? And can we do something about that so that you don't need Xanax, Valium or CBD? Like, wouldn't that be wonderful? Um, so I appreciate that perspective very much. Now, I know that you had said when you were down in San Diego, you had already either done or were in the FDN program. I always just like finding this out just for fun. How specifically did you find out about FDN? Was it just through the grapevine, Google search? No. Well, I had been going to health conferences since about 2017. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just an enthusiast, a functional medicine enthusiast uh, for years and um, loved the content and the material. And then as I started talking to people, FDN had a high reputation and uh, it was very esteemed. Um, and I started seeing that, you know, some people that were working in the supplement sales, they would say, oh, yeah, I'm also an FDN. And that really uh, increased my value in this marketplace. I mean, I was like, oh, wow, what is this FDN? And then um, just at an online conference, I heard Reed Davis talk about it. And I was like, holy moly, this guy knows his stuff. And I loved how systematized it was. And then I met another, a, a medical doctor or a chiropractor at a conference and they were an FDN and they said that, you know, despite being trained in functional medicine, FDN was critical to understand how to actually implement the practice of healing of functional medicine. And at that point I was like, okay, this is, this is the modality to go down and study and learn more of. So yeah, that's, that's what got me hooked. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty hard. Once you uh, hear Reed speak about it, you're like, okay, like I at least got to look into this. <laughs> um, he's an impressive guy for sure. And then, you know, I mean, really all of our FDN practitioners, I, I very, well, I haven't met one that I was not like totally impressed with just their background and how they think about things. And I think that's really what a cool testimonial from the functional medicine practitioner that they still benefited from the FDN program. It, it, it's, it's a wonderful gateway for people like perhaps you and I, who maybe, yes, we're not doctors, but wanted to get into this type of work in a way that's ethical. You know, we're still staying within our bounds, but we can still help people with some more advanced stuff like the functional labs mm -hmm. and with the advanced knowledge. It's the perfect gateway. You know, I saved myself, mm -hmm. you know, 10 years of 
uh, college, and yet I still got better results than 99.95% of people I've ever seen <laughs> in the both functional and conventional space. So it's at the end of the day, it's all about results, right? I mean, who cares about anything else? It's like, can we actually get this person uh, feeling better if they're willing to do the work? So all right, you went through the course and then eventually decided that this was something that you wanted to like actually go do. And maybe you even decided that before the course, I could be misspeaking. Um, like, how's that been going? And who do you work with now? Like, who's your ideal client? Absolutely. So I, so since kind of launching my own practice, um, I have really started specializing in the gut microbiome. Um, I attended uh, Grace Liu's uh, Gut Institute conferences uh, for a few years, and they were really tremendous in understanding this concept of microbiome medicine. And I got more training in that. Um, and then it really corresponded well with the Ayurveda. Um, and also what I like to think about is how do we take the best of the ancestral medicine, combine it with the best of modern medicine and modern functional approaches. And I think Ayurveda fits really well because a lot of these herbs do magical things in the gut to feed our gut microbiota um, and to help us rebalance the gut and really not just get rid of the pathogen somebody's dealing with in their gut, like uh, uh, candida or parasite, but restore function so that they're actually getting to eat foods that they hadn't consumed for a while. They're getting rid of a lot of the symptoms that they were kind of like, oh, um, I'm kind of okay with that. I've tolerated that. I want to build that exceptional level of function back up. Ayurveda has really allowed me to do that and to really uh, focus on the gut microbiome. But I end up working with a lot of other different types of people as well, dealing with other symptomologies. Uh, I'm working with someone with liver issues right now, another person with kidney challenges, someone who has Crohn's disease. Um, and a lot of people do understand that the gut microbiome is the pathway for so much healing and disease. So it's really allowed me to focus in on that. As far as more specifically a type of person that I work with, um, you know, people who are just proactive about their health. And um, really, I do, I have seen this thing play out. Some people just want to get rid of their problem. And then other people want to um, get their health to an optimal state. They want to figure out their gut stuff. And then they're like, hey, I want to also improve my mental function. Do you have herbs and things like that? Nootropics, neurogenic stuff that you work with. And I personally love to work with somebody who wants to optimize their health, live their best life in classical Ayurvedic fashion. That's I, I live for stuff like that. So I guess in a nutshell, that is the ideal type of person that I work with. That's perfect. And I love how you separated those two types of individuals. Nothing wrong with either. But I know for myself, for example, I had gotten into this originally just looking to solve some problems. Once I saw the capabilities of what could be done and how good I continued to feel, I mean, even to this day, and people that are active listeners, they'll already know this, but you know, for someone that's new, I want to disclaim that, yes, I mean, I would consider myself at least 95% better and I have been for a while, but I still have to say, like, I feel like I get a little sharper or a little healthier, have a little more energy 
all this time later, I mean, I got into this work seven and a half, eight years ago. I got into FDN over four and a half years ago, and still it gets better. And it begs the question of, okay, if I'm, because technically I'm on like the flip end now, right? I'm 25. So I'm actually getting to the point where, you know, things should be shifting downwards, not upwards. If I'm still this age shifting upwards and I dealt with literally so much stuff from such a young age, how good am I supposed to feel? (laughs) What is the potential of a human being to how good they can feel? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's such a great question, man. That's such a great point. And I think so we've really, as a society, lowered the bar for how a human being is supposed to feel. And um, I think as functional practitioners, we're really, we're really, uh, you know, on that cutting edge of just discovering human potential, because I don't know what that human potential is. Um, You know, I've, uh, I formulate products alongside my practice. And right now I'm working with a company and we're making neurogenic products. Neurogenesis is the regeneration of neurons um, and uh, neuronal synapses. And just using them, I'm I'm constantly um, in our trial runs just seeing my definition of optimal is getting higher and higher and higher, how much we can restore brain function, how sharp can a human being be how good can someone feel and i think you myself and many of our functional colleagues are really on that cutting edge yeah yeah we're literally the guinea pigs for this and it seems to be going it's a good thing to be a guinea pig for <laughs> so it seems <laughs> um we statistically i feel like we're yeah we're doing pretty well even just with how the whole um you know pandemic pandemic was handled and that is holy cow you got to disclaim this right that's not a political statement i just mean people that are generally healthier typically do well with this. Everyone that I know, and I know a lot of people in the functional space, I mean, yes, maybe at worst five days of like feeling bad, but no one had any serious complications um, that I've known that has done this long term. So I think, yeah, we're really starting to see, because there's enough people out there. It's certainly not anywhere close to the majority, but I mean, if you broke down the entire world population, it's certainly millions, if not tens of millions of people that are into the functional medicine side of things and actually doing this work. And yeah, we're seeing large separations from how we operate um, for compared to the average person, you know, just because of their living the standard lifestyle, especially a standard American lifestyle. And not to go too off topic with it. I mean, I suppose it's on track with this, but it's a little off the main topic. I just uh, I even heard one neurosurgeon say one time, you know, when we start seeing the first truly fat adapted athletes, that's when we're going to see some incredible um, records being broken. And what he means is, you know, people that can effortlessly get into states of ketosis like we should have been able to. And that's, I practiced a ton of intermittent fasting, extended fasting over the years. And um, I hiked the highest point in Vermont and I summited at a 22, 23 hour fast, you know, and then went all the way back down in pure ketosis. So I know it's like possible. And yeah, you wonder, okay, well, what if you just did that your whole life (laughs) and never really (laughs) lost that ability to switch that on? I mean, yeah, who knows what what we could do, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you've been doing this practice. First of all, where can people find you? I want to mention that now before I forget. So my website is integrativeoasis.com. That's the name of my practice. My name sounds kind of like Oasis. um, And uh, people have called me that throughout my life. And, uh, you know, I, I love the idea of an oasis. It's a water well in a desert. You know, you discover it and it's magical. It's a magical place. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I, my practice is integrative as well because I'm combining things from uh, both Ayurveda, the best of functional medicine. And um, so it's integrativeoasis.com. You can schedule time with me directly through the website. Uh, I have a Calendly link. Um, if you have anything that's going on and you just want to chat with me about that, you're more than welcome to schedule a time. And then I'm, I am on Instagram as well. Again, Integrative Oasis. Okay, excellent. I think that's such a, you're just a standout person on the podcast. We haven't had anyone come on and talk about and actually practice um, Ayurveda. So this is, I think that's a unique opportunity for people listening that might really resonate with that. And so I hope that people reach out to you to kind of get that experience of both the functional side and then this a very cool. And like you said, I mean, it's an ancient philosophy. Like this is not new guys. There's some really fantastic, uh, fantastic things in Ayurvedic medicine, as well as like traditional Chinese medicine. So hopefully we can get someone on to talk about that as well soon. Um, all right. We got about six minutes left in the show. I'm curious, do you have, and if we don't have enough time for this, that's fine. But do you have any like standout client testimonials that come to the top of your head by any chance? Cause I always think it's cool to share that. Yes, this can work for someone else. That's not obviously very intelligent, such as yourself or deeply into this space, you know, you can be a client, have a separate career and still get better. Is there anyone that stands out? Yeah, absolutely. So you're talking about like a client success story. Yes. To the degree that you're able to share it. Cause I obviously understand privacy, but. Absolutely. So I would, uh, there's a client I I've been working with right now and it's ongoing work and she's been seen by the top kidney doctor in the world, um, Stanford Hospital. Uh, she has been seen by some of the best allopathic mainstream medicine doctors just out there. And it's just mind boggling how many things they miss in that world where I'm just thinking, I'm like, wow, you're the guy that people are looking at everywhere for kidney disease to give them, you know, to guide them and lead them. And you're missing some basic things. There's, you know, hundreds of studies on some basic kidney herbs that we use in Ayurveda that are super regenerative, that do so much work. So we're just seeing, I'm just seeing this person turn around um, uh, from severe chronic pain, from being at a point where, you know, they were wanting to almost give up on their life because of the pain, because the best people in the world, quote unquote, have not been able to fix me. They've just given me pain meds. Um, you know, some of the best pain meds, I, some stuff I'd never heard about, which is, you know, they'll put something in, in the actual organ itself, which is releasing pain meds over time. Yeah. Um, and I was really blown away. I'd never heard about anything like that. So the best people in the world are focusing on that, not on figuring out the root of the disease. And, and, you know, this is no disrespect to their practice. They're probably doing a lot of great work in managing the crisis that we're experiencing. But that was just such an experience for me to know how far ancestral wisdom and functional medicine can go. And this, this client, every time I find something new, she's, she, she starts crying and she's like, why did my top doctor in Crohn's disease, world-renowned doctor, not know that I have um, candida, that I'm dealing with fungal stuff? 
why couldn't their stool test figure that out? Your stool test is finding three different species of candida in my body. Yeah. How is that even possible that they couldn't figure it out? But you know, you're uh, you're twenty you're a twenty eight year old guy um, with a young practice that has figured something out that they couldn't. And now I'm starting to feel so much better. And then there's so many emotions involved in the healing process. And, you know, I think as practitioners, we should be able to guide people to um, do work to release that psycho-emotional trauma, that somatic trauma. And Ayurveda kind of has some toolkits in that. And I've used that with various clients. So I think that one client for me was such a strong testimony. It was a learning experience for me to see how far an integrative practice can really go. Wow. It it never gets old hearing this stuff and just hearing these testimonials. And I think, I would hope anyone listening could just tell how reasonable you are as an individual and get that you are separating. No part of you is saying that Western medicine is bad, but I, there's always someone that misinterprets it. So I'll say it even more explicitly. Guys, they're the best in the world at that system. That system often, almost always, fails people with chronic health issues. It's a fantastic system if you break your leg. It's a fantastic system if you have the very acute infection that's putting you in the hospital. <laughs> you know, it's not so great for Crohn's disease, typically. Maybe symptom management at best if you're lucky, but a resolution, I mean, good luck. You know, the amount of stories that we have on here, I just, I wonder, like, I can't, this is already growing uh, very well, so we're very happy about this, but I cannot wait until this is a mainstream podcast, and I know it's going to get there. It has to, because these stories are too incredible compared to what everyone else has told, and it's inspiring to hear these things over and over and over again, and like you said, how is this 28-year-old guy able to do this? He has the right system, that period. You know, he has the right system. Um, okay, well, that flew by today, but I do want to finish up. We have a signature question on this podcast, if you're not aware, and you know I got to wrap up with that, if so. And that is just as simple as, always. if I gave you a magic wand and you could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that's literally do something or get them to stop doing something, what is the one thing that you would get them to do? Some of your guests have mentioned some really important things um, already. So I'm going to mention something that I have not heard that I think is very important. And this works super well for a lot of my clients. No carbohydrates for their first meal of the day. That does so much uh, to train the body to use energy efficiently throughout the day. We talk about this in Ayurveda in other ways of how to manage energy. What, Where should your biggest meal of the day be? But something I find consistently is no sugar, no carbohydrates for that very first meal to help your body better uh, burn calories and uh, be a more metabolically flexible machine throughout the day. This does so much wonders for people. And if there's one thing people could do, I think it's it's that thing. I got to back a ways up on that one. That is definitely something to give a shot if you have not tried that before. I mean, still to this day, even as someone who is very healthy and very happy with where he's at, it is a profound difference when I eat 
a notable amount of carbohydrates versus where when I just have a moderate protein, higher fat meal. And I definitely don't like huge, like big, large meals in the morning. It's more something simple, you know, like, I mean, for me, uh, like several eggs or um, I don't know, just, just something smaller portion size wise and mostly protein and fat. Give it a try. Why don't you do this? Maybe try like one, two days in a row and then try the other two days in a row and then see how you're doing like an hour into the day, two hours into the day, three hours into the day. And it doesn't have to be with like crappy carbohydrates. That's not what Oasis is talking about. I mean, you could really have some high quality organic stuff and it just seems that we do a little better on the moderate protein, higher fat. I don't know if that's universal. He said most of his clients, I believe, not all, but something uh, that's worth giving a shot. So anyway, I just want to thank Oasis once again for coming on, bringing a fresh perspective and just being so open and honest about where we, from an immigrant perspective, where we can do better and maybe some stuff that we're already doing pretty well. I think that's very important even outside of health stuff. And I want to thank you for listening to yet another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. We really appreciate it. If you like this information that we're sharing and you're feeling extra kind, we'd love if you left us a five-star review and maybe even some kind words. I would really appreciate that. All you got to do is search the Health Detective Podcast by, you guessed it, FDN Thrive on Apple Podcasts. Click that five-star button and leave us a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. And hey, I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again soon. Have a great few days. Thanks for tuning in to the Health Detective Podcast. If you are ready to finally work with a real health detective on your health journey so that you can get well and stay well naturally, visit us at fdmthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button. 